This is Ana Simões in Surrey, BC. You're listening to I Love This, You Should Too, with Indy Randawa and Samantha Hiss. Welcome to another episode of I Love This, You Should Too. My name is Indy Randawa, and with me is my lovely, talented, charming co-host, Miss Samantha Hughes. How are you, Indy? I'm doing good. I can smell delicious soup on the stove mm-hmm. waiting for us whenever we're done recording here. How it's are you doing? Good. It's a cold October night. Ooh, so you can feel that chill in the it's air. It's soup weather. It's also... Spooktember weather. Spooktober weather. Spooktober. Spooktember is over. Yes. And now Spooktober has begun. And we're continuing our Spooktober by talking horror movies. Yes. Last week, Samantha introduced me to the movie Gerald's Game. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So if you're listening right now, if you're in your car, handcuff yourself to a steering wheel. (laughs) If you're at home, even better. Handcuff yourself to a bed. Throw away the keys. You don't need it for at least an hour or so. Hang out. Be a real, truly captive audience to our podcast. Yes. So I just wanted to put in before we really get into the big conversations about this movie... I wanted to mention that we are going to be talking about sexual assault and rape, um, also murder. And if you've seen Gerald's Game, you know exactly what we're talking about. You know exactly what we're talking about, but I really wanted to make sure that our listeners were prepared for the fact that we will be talking about some really difficult subjects. And if you feel like you are not going to be able to handle it, this might be an episode for you to skip. Yeah. And also, I hear that like my nieces and stuff are listening to this podcast, which they really shouldn't be because I swear on it. So yeah, don't listen to this one. So if you haven't seen Gerald's Game, uh, you should probably pause here and go see it. Um, If you have, good job. Way to do your homework. And uh, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, the goods and the bads. Before we even get into it, should we give a little summary for the people out there? Those lazy ones who just love hearing our voice but don't like watching the movies, which I guess there's someone out there. I guess there's someone out there. So being the new person to it, I'll try to summarize what it was about. I'm excited. So there is a couple. They go away for a hopefully romantic weekend. And then they, the husband, unbeknownst to the wife, decides like, hey, you know what? I'm into some kinky stuff. I never told you about this, but I'm just going to spring it on you right now. <laughs> and he handcuffs her to a bed. And you think like, okay, this might be all right. But quickly it goes not all right. And she's not into it. But then it gets even worse because he has a heart attack. He falls, dies, and you think, oh, no, he's all right. But then it's just kidding. He's not. And a dog's going to eat him up. And the majority of this movie is really just this woman being handcuffed to a bed. Yeah. Uh, How it plays out is she sees a version of herself and a version of her husband, which is her subconscious kind of doing an angel and devil thing Mm -hmm. and working out how she could get out of this. And it has a little bit of that kind of uh, 127 hours Martian problem solving thing to it. But there's also a mysterious figure that might be the manifestation of death but no it turns out it's an actual cannibal (laughs) necrophiliac serial killer 
And that's also a thing that happens. And through the flashbacks, we get to find out about some of her her past trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, There was some sexual abuse at the hands of her father. And we hear about that. And she overcomes it. She overcomes what her father did. She overcomes what her husband did. And she somehow also overcomes a giant literal monster. (laughs) A literal monster. And I did use literal correctly. There's an actual monster in this. And uh, she escapes. It's rather gruesome. We'll talk about that. And then the ending, everything just comes flying at you. And she's just overcoming and so empowered. So, so, so empowered. She's so empowered that the sun, it's too bright that she has to wear sunglasses. That's how empowered she is. <laughs> and she tells off a monster and says, you're small. In the courtroom. Yeah. <laughs> that is Gerald's game. Yeah, that was a pretty good, uh, it's a pretty good summary. All right. So, first question. The classic question. I loved it. Did you? Nope. You didn't? No. Okay. Why? Um, Well, I guess that's what this whole podcast is going to be, but I guess I could preface it by saying, remember how in Rent I said I liked the movie, but then I complained for an hour, and then I still said, yeah, but it's good. This is going to be the opposite of that, I think. Really? I don't like the movie. I don't recommend it. But while we're having our conversation, it's going to sound like I'm coming out on the positive side <laughs> because there's a lot of good stuff in the movie. It's, it's uh, yeah. Well, Stephen King put some good stuff in there. Yeah. <laughs> I also know how you feel about Stephen King. I'm coming around on Stephen King. Okay. I won't tell you what, but I'm actually reading a novel of his now. And I'm like, oh, this is a little better than I, I remember. And Interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I don't like the movie. I don't think it was very good. Okay. And I think that's very controversial because I think it's quite well loved. It is. Uh, it, I think I said in the pre-episode, it has like a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. But it also has like a 6.6 on, on IMDb for yeah. fan rating. So people are kind of split on it. Critics I, tend to love it. Critics really, really liked it and really enjoyed the direction and both the actors. So now I put it back to you. You loved this a year ago when you saw it. Does it still hold up? Yeah, I enjoyed it. It still, even though I'd already seen it and I kind of knew what was coming, it still gave me that kind of anxious, like suspenseful feeling. So I think that's that's the sign of a movie that I liked is um, it was still kind of giving me the same feels that I had the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it can still elicit that emotional response yeah. from you, then it's it's an effective movie. Because and... there's definitely movies that I've seen where I'll watch it a second time and I'll remember it really fondly. And then the second time I watch it, I'm like, oh, okay, I know what's happening. I know what's happening. And everything is like, you know, oh, there's a jump scare there. Oh, there's, you know, some scary plot there. And it doesn't affect you the same way the second time. And mm-hmm. I really found that I, I got sucked into Gerald's game. I actually made no notes while we were watching it. Oh, I made yeah, a few. A few, yeah. Some notes. So I, uh, I I think I still love it. Good. Well, that's good to hear. I'm interested to hear your take on it, though, because I feel like you're probably going to make some good points and I might not love it as much at the end. (laughs) But that's the thing. I don't think the points I'm going to make are, I'm not going to like tear it apart technically or anything. I just think the choices they made, I appreciate them, but they just didn't all work for me. Okay. And that's, I think, I think that is very personal. So I don't think I can convince you it's not good. I don't think I want to convince you it's Mm -hmm. not good. I think the choices they make just didn't resonate for me. Right. What was your favorite part of the movie? I like 
just the entire setup. Okay. I was excited to see a movie that takes place where it's just someone tied to a bed. <laughs> you like movies where people are tied to beds? Pretty much. Okay. <laughs> I like movies that do something that I haven't seen before. Okay. Because there's a movie I was talking about called Frozen where it just all takes place on a chairlift. Right. And there's a movie called Open Water where they it just all takes place. It's just someone left out in the open ocean. Right. And I love seeing how... Uh, director can take something that you don't think can be a movie mm-hmm. and and turn it into one yeah so that was my favorite thing i did think that at 100 minutes it dragged a and they bit. did not have enough to fill that up yeah i think because we had talked about it in the pre-episode that um this was a book that they like directors felt could never be made into a movie just because it's it takes place in one room basically with a few flashbacks and like and it's long because it's Stephen King and it just it doesn't translate to screen very well. Mm-hmm. So I feel like maybe that's where they ran out of things to put in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It there's no shame in doing a 90 minute movie. No. It's going straight to TV. It's not in theaters. People won't feel ripped off. Yes. It should have been Frankly, it could have been 80 minutes, but then I would have made fun of it for not being 90 I minutes. <laughs> yes, you would have. 80-minute movies are, uh, that means something went wrong. Unless it's Totoro. Yes, but that's that's the exception to every rule. <laughs> yes, we, we do know that. So what's your favorite part about Gerald's Game? Um, I really liked all the flashbacks. Um, I think in a movie where you're kind of in a room for the entire movie i think taking you out of that scenario can be really jarring but they did a really good job because it's clearly the same house so all of the flashbacks looked really familiar in the like the scheme of the house was it the same house it was the same house she walks she walks across the beach at the beginning right um and then that's the same beach that all of the eclipse flashbacks happen on right she walks right by the bench and there's a tree in the water and so I, I I guess it's not like a part of the movie, but it's like I enjoyed how they did that. I think that was one of my favorite parts. What was your least favorite part? I'll just say one word and then we'll talk about it in depth later. The ending. The ending was my least favorite part. Okay. It was ridiculous and took away so much that it built up. Really? Yeah. Okay. We'll talk about that later though. Yeah. What's your least favorite part of the movie? Um, the degloving injury that she gives herself. Mm-hmm. That was like, I think I turned away from the screen at one point. Right. Because it's just... Ugh. So we can talk about that part right now because there's sure. not too much to say. But no. that was gruesome and fantastic. It mm-hmm. was so well done. It was. For it someone was... who watches a lot of movies with some, with some gore in them, yeah. that was very well done. And it was well, like, well thought out, I guess. Yeah. It was like, yeah, so she's going to use the glass and she's going to smash the glass and she's going to figure out how to get that glass down so that she can kind of like make a big cut in her wrist. I assumed what she was trying to do is because she said that, oh, the blood's as as slippery as oil. Mm -hmm. I assumed she would just cut herself, make herself slippery and slip out. But she thought like, oh, it's slippery as oil, so I should tear off all the skin on my hand. Well, I think also she'd realized that like the fat parts of her hand weren't going to make it through that. So if she peeled it back and then pulled her hand through, she'd be able to actually fit through the handcuff. Yeah, it was it was oh. really gruesome. So you know what <laughs> I can't understand is we watched Blade Runner mm-hmm. and you said it was too gruesome. You couldn't watch it. 
And then you watch things like this, and uh, Game of Thrones is so much more violent and gory than anything close to Blade Runner. <laughs> and then we also went and saw that new Tarantino movie, and a woman gets her face face bashed into a fireplace over and over again. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's not bad. But when <laughs> Rutger Hauer breaks Harrison Ford's finger, that was that was the line. That was too much. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I can't explain it. I was actually, because you said that um, we went and saw. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. And uh, we walked out and you were like, that was one of the most violent movies I've ever seen. And honestly, I don't know about that. I've seen. Okay. But. Dead alive. <laughs> that is what you said though, because I said, oh, that was, that was good. And like, you know, there wasn't too much violence and you were like, are you kidding me? Yeah. You said there was no violence <laughs> and it was, it was gruesome. Because like. I don't know. I feel like I've seen other Tarantino movies that affected me a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure, like, I don't know, maybe there's something. So know. maybe because his violence is so detached from reality mm-hmm. and almost comic bookish. So what you're saying after the fact is that Blade Runner is so, so smart and so clever that it really gets <laughs> inside and something as small as a finger breaking. It's such a more visceral experience because of how great that movie was. I'm it's... glad that you're retroactively... <laughs> Changing your rating on Blade Runner to you now love it. I did not say that. <laughs> um, Everyone heard it. <laughs> no, you said that. Um, I think it's, I was thinking about this because I knew that we were going to end up talking about this during this episode. And I think it's um, like violence that could happen in real life. I think like Tarantino and Game of Thrones, it's like nobody has, well, probably nobody is ever going to like stab everyone at my wedding or like is gonna you know attack my house and bash my face into a fireplace oh that that's a fear of mine getting your face bashed into something oh or it's more like not someone's gonna come and do it but the idea of just falling and hitting my mouth oh that sounds scary oh that does sound scary yeah but i feel like like you said tarantino makes it kind of like it's over the top like gimmicky and over the top that it doesn't feel like something that could happen in real life, whereas, like, slicing your wrist and peeling your skin back is something that could very much happen in real life. Yeah, I think it's... And having your fingers bent backwards until they break or having your eyeballs, like, pushed in. I don't think... I think (sighs) the eyeballs being pushed in is on the same level as being smashed into a fireplace. (laughs) Okay. I don't think that's happening. Um, But I just think that, like, real-life situations tend to affect me a little bit more than something like a tarantino movie that makes sense it's the same reason i'm scared of heights on an escalator but not an airplane yeah i can't fathom falling out of an airplane no no unless you were willingly falling out of an airplane yeah <laughs> which i will never do i'd do that you skydive if it was free sure oh not yeah paying that much no it's it's a lot of money <laughs> yeah um so let's start at the beginning because this is a movie where the first maybe 10 15 minutes I was talking to you in it a little bit. After that, I was just quiet and watching. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I said is as soon as they got into a... Well, first, there was a, shot, a lingering shot of handcuffs. And I said, ooh, I hope those don't come into play. <laughs> then they got in a car and I said, oh, I hope they don't hit an animal. And in fact, they didn't hit an animal, but they saw Almost. a dog. They, yeah. they avoided hitting a dog who is then eating a dead animal. Yes. So I feel that's close enough. That's the thing in horror movies. Of the last five, seven years, they always go somewhere to this secluded house that's going to be scary, and then they hit an animal on the way. It was in Get Out, it was in The Invitation, it was in Husk, it was in 
train to Busan. Yeah. And yeah, they just they keep doing it. And it was effective one or two times. But now when I joke about it happening, it's a little less effective. <laughs> I it felt like the car scene could have been cut. Well, if you cut the car scene, then you should have cut stuff much later in the movie. It drags later more than in the beginning, okay. I think. Sure, you could cut the car scene, but then you should have also cut some other stuff. And then you have a, an hour-long movie. And then it shouldn't be a movie. Then it's not a movie. Yeah. Um, I just felt like the car scene didn't really do much for like the couple's banter and their relationship. Okay, let's talk about that. Okay. So you only get really 15 minutes of the couple together. Yes, because then Gerald dies and then... Yeah. So it seemed to me, I kept, I wrote in my notes, did they just meet? Mm-mm. They had no chemistry. It feels like they'd never met before. And they kept saying, oh, we're married. Hey, look, here's our wedding photo. And they kept telling you they're married, but it's like, I don't see it. I guess that... So the point of the trip was to kind of save their marriage. But it seemed much less like a marriage where things had grown stale Mm -hmm. and they're in a rut and more like two people who had never met. Which I guess maybe that's intentional because what we learn later on is like she never really was her true self. Right. But it felt in a very literal way that they've never met before. Yeah, that's fair. There was a certain kind of, there was a certain kind of coldness that they don't get when you've been married to someone for 30 years or however long they've been married. Or just someone that you know. Yeah. They just didn't seem like they knew each other. I do feel like. Even if I was with, like, a friend of ours or something in a car on a way to, like, a lake house, I'd be a little more, like, jokey and friendly and, like, Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, maybe that was, uh, maybe it's intentional, but like everything else in it, it's over the top and hits you over the head. (laughs) They don't get it. They don't know each other. They don't know each other. Yeah. Yeah. And there are a couple of things in the movie that are very much like, okay, we're not dumb. We can, like, read nuance. We could just, like have the actors know each other a little bit better, but also have those, like, moments where they're clearly not getting along and they're really trying to, like, save their marriage. Yes, because I think playing a marriage that's in turmoil is not the most difficult thing to do. Lots no. of movies do it, and this did it in a in a strange way. The other thing that, at the beginning, that was really crazy is she leaves the door open and then gets pulled away but there's a shot of her looking over her shoulder looking longingly at this open <laughs> like door like i just really going, want to close that oh, door oh that door's open but what can i do there's nothing i can do i'm powerless just close the fucking door don't and that shot was just so over the top i get it you need the door open cuz the dog comes yeah. in but you don't have to show like hey look here's the dog he's eating all sorts of stuff oh hey look this door's open i wonder what it could have been just one shot yeah you where he pulls to... her through the door we don't need to look back at the door yeah if you just don't include a shot of the door closing we'll go oh the door is open but there's 2 minutes of runtime where of that door <laughs> yeah. shot that was a 2 minute shot yeah. of just that door sitting yeah. there open Oh, so that's, you know, we're at 90 minutes or 103 minutes. So there's our like over 100 minute yeah. mark. <laughs> so you needed that door you shot. You need that door shot. For some reason, that <laughs> specific shot was the first thing that really, really bothered Irritated me about you? it. Yeah. It was so long. <laughs> so the next scene that we come to um, after the whole feeding the dog and leaving the door open, um, the next scene that we come to is Gerald taking Viagra. Is it just, like, a commonly known thing that you, like, 
You can't have a heart attack on Viagra if you mix it with other drugs. I did not know that, but not in the market, I guess. I don't know. Is it is that a thing? Or yes. Oh, yeah. okay. Because it's it's just like a stimulant, right? So and okay. it it really um it like almost redirects your blood flow. Oh well, I guess literally it literally does, right? redirects your blood flow. So it's it's kind of it's like a stimulant. It really gets your heart going. Okay. Um, and uh, so if you're taking anything else, um, for like blood pressure or like to prevent a heart attack like if you're prone to that mm-hmm. um it can immediately oh wow i didn't realize that yeah it can Damn. like basically your heart just stuns i assumed that he just had a heart attack i didn't uh, put the two together mm-hmm. but the if the two are linked that does kind of go more into his character that his he he lived the way he died <laughs> he died the way he lived <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I guess that's not common knowledge. Maybe I work in a medical school, so I, I'm privy to a lot of like weird drug reactions and stuff. I hear about it. All those university students are on Viagra. (laughs) No, I just meant like, I hear a lot of medical information that I then kind of absorb like peripherally Mm -hmm. and then think everyone knows it after, (laughs) which clearly everyone doesn't. So... Later in the movie, Jesse, um, who is chained to the bed and having a little, like, angel-devil situation, is like, I always knew about the Viagra and her um, mental version of Gerald says, oh, I knew you saw the prescription, but you never mentioned it. And so this is, like, clearly more of them talking about how their relationship was, like, very non-communicative and yeah well the takeaway i have from this whole movie is this whole situation could have been avoided with open communication like if he had just said like hey i'm into these handcuff things she has the forewarning doesn't kick him or can like they can talk about yeah. it and this whole thing could have been avoided yeah at least to have like a safe word they didn't have that no, set they up didn't. so they're like oh are you because he wants her to pretend that she's not into it. Yeah. So then when she's in reality isn't, she's like, he's like, yeah, that, he's that's like awesome. He's like getting more fired up and yeah. like really into it. And she's like, no, I'm actually very uncomfortable right now. Yeah, if they had a great relationship, he could have said like, hey, you know what? I'm into these kind of kinky things. What do you say? And if they talked about it, maybe she would have been like, all right, let's give it a shot. And then there you go. You don't don't ever spring something on someone, especially if it involves handcuffs. It's true. That's just dumb. Handcuffs and Viagra. Yeah. Um, So one thing that I don't really understand, and maybe this is like um, some kind of subplot that I'm not privy to, but um, if Gerald was on something that made him like, you know, prone to heart attacks or like he was trying to prevent heart attacks and then he took Viagra and had a heart attack... Would his doctor not catch that? I I just, I like, that's something that frustrates me from the movie. I guess you could just say, like, oh, maybe he bought, because you can buy Viagra through, like, back channels and stuff. I would it's see true. it And that's what I was thinking. You can go to, like, a mediclinic doctor or something. And and also his doctor could be like, hey, don't mix these two. And he's like, whatever. Yeah. And then mix the two. Sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> going to let that go. So then we get to the point. Gerald has his heart attack. And we have kind of a fake out where he steps back up and is like, oh, actually, I'm all right. Even though that dog just bit me once. No big deal. Mm-hmm. Did you fall for that the first time? Um, The first time I watched it, yes. Mm. 
until like that first couple of minutes where she's really talking to him mm-hmm. and then she looks down and, and sees, sees him so yeah. yeah yeah so that did get me the first time i mean the second time obviously i knew the plot of the story right. so but it's still there were there were moments <laughs> where i was kind of sucked back in but did that get you no no like i i, I knew yeah it just seems like, oh, they're trying to trick us, and then they were trying to trick us. Right. There was a couple of those, not too many of those mm-hmm. those fake outs, but I, I don't like a I don't like a fake out in a movie. <laughs> I don't like the it was all a dream. Right. I think it's I think it's lazy. It is lazy. Mm-hmm. Um But it was just a little one and then she looks down and sees that he's still there. So it's it's a good way to introduce because you need to introduce the fact that she's gonna have this this manifestation of her idea Visions, of, of Gerald. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's a good way to do it because you can't just have him like walk in the door. It's mm-hmm. so you need to introduce him in, in a way. So that's a kind of a fun way to do it, I guess. Yes. Even though I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think they did a good job of introducing him. And the first time I was definitely kind of fooled by it. Um, the second time it seemed a little obvious. Um, but, at the same time, it, it does serve a purpose where it kind of introduces that fact that she's going to be talking to herself and to Gerald, and they're going to be kind of in the movie as separate characters from her chained to the bed. Mm-hmm. Did you find that that worked? Having the, I guess we'll say the three of them mm-hmm. have this kind of interplay throughout? I liked it. I'm not a fan of movies where you have to kind of figure it all out yourself and it's very, like, not explained. Well, if that's a concern for you, dear listener, this is the movie for you. Because you don't have to figure out a <laughs> no. goddamn thing. No. It'll tell you something, then it'll show you something, then it'll summarize what it told you. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I liked that idea of having those people kind of in her head who are saying kind of opposing points, but mm-hmm. are helping her along. Both of them kind of helped her along. I like the idea that we would only see Gerald through her memory and we would see this kind of built up version of herself, Mm -hmm. what she thinks she is. Yes. Not her actual self, but her belief of what she is. And I liked the idea that the Gerald character, her version of Gerald was kind of constantly diminishing her and belittling her. Yeah. And whether or not Gerald was like that, we do... find out he's an asshole he's a piece of garbage but whether or not he was like that we don't really know but we know that she feels and she's internalized this version and that's what's important yes because he's he's dead we don't care we don't care no but also there's like a parallel that's drawn between gerald and her dad oh is there a parallel is there a parallel because their faces (laughs) blend together they cross fade their faces gerald's wearing her dad's shirt at one point the there's a demon the dog gerald and the father and they're all a parallel when we get it I started writing down in my notes like, oh, there's an interesting parallel there. And then they morphed their faces together and then it just kept cutting between the two of them and using similar dialogue. And I was like, okay, I'm I'm not clever by seeing this because they're showing you so hard. So would you say this is like a psychological thriller for beginners? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. I think... And maybe I'm being too too harsh on it because it's a there's all these good ideas, mm-hmm. but it is it's just really heavy handed, mm-hmm. and I don't like being spoon fed everything. I like to be able to make up my own mind about things, and you cannot make up your own mind about anything no, in this because they're telling this. you everything. 
But what I was saying before about um, about seeing it as her vision of Gerald, you kind of start seeing him weaken mm-hmm. as her vision of herself gains strength. And yes. she, she, the tied to the bed version of herself, kind of um, gains some resolve through it as yes. well. And I liked that and I was waiting for that. But it didn't always like follow those lines because then the Gerald character would still do some things. He doesn't like it didn't really feel like she overcame him that much, which right. is crazy to say because there's a whole montage of her overcoming everything at the yes, end. Yes, yeah. And it is really heavy-handed with that too, but they could have done it in a more subtle, more satisfying way, right. I guess. Did you like the idea how these two visions she had would tell her things, give her hints, mm-hmm. and then that's what she would use to get out? Yes. I liked the idea of her subconscious kind of helping her mm-hmm. because I feel like there are certain things as human beings who are out in the world and learning things, even if you kind of don't realize that you're seeing stuff like that. Um, I liked the idea of her subconscious kind of coming to her rescue. Like, you've seen this before. You know how long this takes. You know how long you can go without water. Like, you know how long before your body seizes up. Because, you know, you take a first aid class or something and you you kind of learn those things. And um, I liked her subconscious. And maybe it was too much spoon feeding. But I really liked the tips that they were giving her. Again, I liked the idea of it a lot. Yes. I know a lot of people had um, issues with, remember Slumdog Millionaire? And I he would never seen it. Uh, well, there's a part where it's a trivia thing and they would ask him these very obscure questions and then he'd have a memory about this really intricate story and it ends up with him learning this thing somewhere right. along the way. And that's how he knows the answer right. to, a, to a trivia thing. And people said, like, oh, that's all just so convenient. And I kind of appreciated that. And if they kept this more along those lines of mm-hmm. she would remember something but in this it's literally her own mind telling her the answers to something she doesn't know right which if you really think about it it kind of falls apart mm-hmm. because there's one instance where she can't reach water to her mouth right and then her own mind tells her like oh what'd you do with that price tag i wonder where it could be and then she's like, oh, yeah, the price tag. I'm going to so drink out of it. So I didn't like when the subconscious asked questions like that. Yeah. But I did, I can appreciate kind of the emergency situation awareness. Yes. And so, I think they could have done it in a way where she's reminded of that yes. price tag in a way. Because maybe the subconscious self mm-hmm. of hers is talking about the clothing, but not straight out saying mm-hmm. like, what happened to that price tag? Exactly. Think about it. Exactly. And just giving her the answer? Yeah. She needs to come to that answer. Yes. I definitely feel like there is information your brain stores away until you really need it. And so coaching, I've had injuries happen and it's like all of a sudden I remember all the first aid I've ever taken and like really need, but... If you were to ask me, like, a question about first aid in a non-emergency situation, I don't know that I'd be able to, like, actually answer you coherently. So I don't know if that's, like, a like a survival instinct or whatever, but, like, in the emergency kind of situation, I feel like my brain was able to give me the things that I needed in order to help whoever I was helping. Mm-hmm. But it was a little more straightforward. It, your brain didn't say like, hey, what shape was that pyramid you went to that one time? <laughs> triangle. Oh, triangle bandage. Yeah. No, it was, like it was not like that. It was like, yeah. 
if you're worried about a neck injury, hold the head in traction and like that kind of thing. So I, uh, I really think that it went a little too far in one way of like spoon feeding her the answers and like kind of tricking her and making her not like really work for the answer. Mm -hmm. And maybe the tricking part was because she was suffering from like all these exposure things where she wasn't drinking enough water and she wasn't eating food and she was like her wrists were bruised and held above her head. And I think that that also would affect you mentally. What did you think of all of the eclipse flashbacks? I enjoyed a lot of how it looked. Mm -hmm. It was one of the very few parts. It's not a cinematic movie at all. No. It looks like a TV show. Mm -hmm. And whether that's good or bad is dependent on you. I didn't think it looked great, but I guess people are only going to be watching on their TVs Mm -hmm. because of Netflix. Yeah, it's never going to be on a big screen. Yeah, but that had a little bit of style to it at least. But do you want to talk about what happened in the flashbacks? Yes. I feel like there's a very good conversation about sexual assault Mm -hmm. so jesse's father sexually assaults her by masturbating while she's sitting on his lap and Mm -hmm. she's 12 she's probably too old to be sitting on his lap anyway but she really wants to please her father and then after he convinces her never to tell anybody kind of backhandedly by being like well we should tell your mother and then she feels kind of shame and guilt and really um kind of He's, she's led to, oh, let's never speak of this again. Yes. Um, from, like, a sexual assault point of view, I think that's a really good, um, like, conversation to have. Because I feel like when you think about that um, kind of situation, it might not always be obvious that that is sexual assault. Yes. What I really liked about it, it's 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 important that they mm-hmm. included a type of sexual abuse that's not often discussed. It's not, like, rape. It's not fondling. It's yeah. not... Yeah, and I'm glad that they didn't diminish it by saying, oh, it's not rape, so it's not yes. a big thing. Also with uh, with Gerald, because he, he rapes her. Yes. And they didn't make a point of saying, like, oh, it's not rape because they're in a relationship. Mm-hmm. These are very real and very harmful forms of sexual abuse that you don't usually get to they're see in a movie. They're not immediately, when you think of you know, sexual abuse or rape or, like, sexual assault, you're not going to think of your boyfriend or your husband, like, forcing himself on mm-hmm. you or your dad just masturbating in your presence. Yes. So I, I really liked that that is the approach that they took. Yeah, and I'm very glad that they didn't go the way of a lot of movies where it's kind of um, how traumatized you can mm-hmm. be and then there would be shots of, like, a quick cut and clothes are being ripped off and mm-hmm. everything has to be as painful as possible. And like violent. Yeah, this wasn't yeah. a um this wasn't a trauma contest. No. It was very real, but mm-hmm. how they did it was was different than you often see it being portrayed. Absolutely. And I think it really also lends itself to the story where um she's a sexual assault survivor mm-hmm. and she really um doesn't quite realize it until she's That's a good realization in, in this that movie. situation yeah. again. Yes. Where she's being held against her will, but she's doing it because she loves the person who's doing this and really wants to like make them happy. And I don't think she realizes quite how much the original sexual assault really affects her. And how she's able to get to this point all in her own head. Mm-hmm. Not having to go through something and fight off a uh, 
an attempted rapist or something like that, that she's able to internalize this and come to these conclusions is exactly why you didn't need a real fucking monster for her <laughs> yes. to overcome. That's, that's very She's true. already done it. She's had her journey and it's a powerful one. And having that other stuff diminishes it. It's true. It's true. Um, so from there, let's talk about the man made of moonlight. He's not. He's he's a guy. He's a guy. Um, but I think, so I feel like if this movie didn't have the whole sexual assault thing and didn't need a monster, we could have cut him out. No, I think there's a way you include him mm-hmm. and keep some ambiguity to it. Right. But can we save that until the ending? Yes, absolutely. I think that's going to be a whole big thing. Absolutely. You know what? Something we don't do in movies very often. We don't like pick apart the logistics, but this one depends on it so much. I really wanted to talk about it a little with you. So, yeah, we know that there's probably different ways she could have gotten out easier, but that's not really what it's about. Mm -hmm. But because the struggle of the movie is her coming to terms with what's happened and realizing that she's had to endure all these things because it's something that she never really took the time to think of before. It's true. And she really realizes that she's been enduring this in her relationship because of her past trauma. Yes. That being said, I totally think she could have got it out easily. <laughs> How? So first, there is one part where she's like, okay, I'll just pull on this. And then a version of Gerald that she's created said, don't bother. They're reinforced. So the bed is reinforced? The, yeah. Who has a reinforced bed? Gerald. But that's her <laughs> home. Yeah, but and I'm assuming they bought a new it. bed at some point. But Gerald didn't actually tell her that because Gerald's dead. So she told herself that. Mm-hmm. Why would she have a reinforced? I don't think a reinforced bed is a thing. People out there tell me if you pay extra money to get the posts on your bed reinforced. <laughs> or maybe don't tell us because that's your weird kinky thing. No, just let us know how much it costs. <laughs> okay. That's what we want to know. If it's feasible. Is that she has a reinforced bed. That was such a... I just mean, don't introduce that. If you don't want her to be able to pull mm-hmm. the bed down, just have her not have her try and she can't do it. But the line of don't try, it's reinforced seemed ridiculous. So I feel like the only way that that would have been plausible is if they had kind of introduced it as an antique. Because this is clearly, it's like a family home. Yeah. It's... In all the flashbacks, so we know that this family home has been in the family for multiple, like, Mm -hmm. generations. And so maybe this bed was their great-grandfather's bed, and they just had it, like, refurbished? I guess. And, like, maybe the headboard was kind of faulty, so they reinforced it? I don't know. I think the headboard's also from another one of his movies. It's the, the Oculus mirror stand, I'm pretty sure. The, the director Flanagan, is that his name? He did Oculus. It's about this haunted mirror kind it of is. thing. It is the Oculus mirror stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, I just feel like you could break that. But that's just me. Because also when she reaches all the way to one side, she never fully pulls all the way. No. So I think she also could have gotten to some of the things on mm, that side. But, but I but. think it's because after a while when your arms are in the air, your skin gets really tender because all of the blood is rushing away from it. Very true, but this was right at the beginning. Okay, well. I think what she should have tried to do is get one of her legs up onto that post and break it. I think you could break it. Or if you just like rattle it back and forth for a long enough time, she's there for two days, you're going to saw through the wood. It's true, you're going to be able to like chip away at it. Um, 
that's something that we saw in the movie that we watched uh, called Ready or Not. He, like, oh, right, right. Yeah. Clacks his... Exactly. Yeah. That happened. He does it. It's an antique bed. Yeah. Um, clearly not... It was not, a reinforced. Not reinforced, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, he, like, eventually kind of saw... His, and I did think about that when we were watching it. And I forgot about that. But yes, I did. I kind of called back in my brain to the fact that we had just watched a movie that the guy, like bangs his handcuffs against the bed and long he enough. saws out in a couple of hours yeah, yeah. so uh, it is possible because well, it's a movie and that movie is true it's a documentary called ready or not it is not true well, i'm pretty sure it is is that like hasbro or <laughs> like one of the big game families the makers of monopoly i don't know yeah <laughs> So I feel like we need to go back and talk about The Man Made of Moonlight, which is kind of the ending of the movie. Moonlight Man. Moonlight Man. Man Made of Moonlight. Let's do it. So I feel like I really enjoyed that aspect as well because that made it so – because that made it scary. It was a psychological thriller, but there was also a little bit of a horror aspect just because there was this, like, killer, scary – um, kind of moment that she has where she can't quite because she's delirious she can't quite see into the corner and she's not sure if it's real and um i just i i enjoyed that part did you i did at first when i assumed it was not a real actual human mm-hmm. but they say in i think gerald says that that's kind of the the manifestation of death right and I liked that. That's a great technique that she's fears literal death. Mm-hmm. And this is how it's presenting because she already has her um, her insecurities are presenting herself in one way. Her inner strength is presenting herself in another person. Mm-hmm. So to have the specter of death present itself As in well. this kind of like grotesque monster. Yes. Great. Because this is kind of a survival movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So And the design of it was fantastic he looks terrifying he is terrifying there's not many new monsters that i think look really good he looked really good also his disfigurement is a real thing well that's the guy that played lurch yes so it's acromegaly Mm -hmm. which is when your um body grows faster than your head and then your brain gets bigger but your head doesn't like your skull doesn't grow so then they did do a lot to him he doesn't look oh yeah yeah no but it, it it ends up with your face being really kind of lumpy and yeah. misshapen. So, but you know what makes monsters less scary? Like explaining it like that. <laughs> and that's not me saying that to you. That's me saying that to the movie because right. they went by and they they told they you it. everything because that's how yes. it goes. So, what did you think when she was um like when she was free, like when she'd finally freed herself and she was bleeding and she's delirious from like lack of water and food and is also delirious from blood loss because she's lost quite a bit of blood at this point and she kind of tapes her wrist up with um like pads mm-hmm. and um and then walks out into the hallway and sees the man made of moonlight and says you're not real you're made of moonlight and then gives him her wedding ring and mm-hmm. keeps going well i assumed that because they were already drawing these parallels between um, her father, her husband, the dog, and the Moonlight Man. Mm-hmm. So I assumed her uh, saying, you're not real. And it's kind of just was symbolic of her just overcoming those past relationships. Yes. And by giving the ring to someone who had she had taken to represent death was kind of the 
this marriage is dead. Not not just because Gerald is dead, yes. but because she has realized this isn't what she needs. She's beyond it. Yeah. Yes. And that that was the end of her marriage. Mm-hmm. And I thought that worked. Mm-hmm. But then they, they just keep going. This movie has <laughs> six endings about. <laughs> six endings. Okay. Yeah. And I'm... each one gets a little worse than the last. Hmm. I really liked the first time she saw him in the corner of her room. That was fantastic. That was Opening such a good shot. Opening his bag and there's like a, like a diamond tennis bracelet or like a necklace or something in it that's really, like, it's clearly diamonds. Like, it's sparkly. It's sparkly. Um, it's lit really well, so you can, like, really see the, like, expensiveness of it. And um, I liked that because that also, she was kind of saying goodbye to her old life. I agree with you when you say that. She mm-hmm. was she's paying her toll to kind of get out of hell. Yes. And isn't that a great image? I loved that. Symbolism. And then you have to think about it. Hmm, what did that mean? Nobody yeah. has to tell you no. six times. You can just do it on your own. And that's a good way to end that character. Yeah. But no, that's not what we get. <laughs> we keep going. And I also thought that he had the the bag because on the way there, you hear the news report of this character. Yes, in the car. So I just thought she kind of internalized this little piece of horror that's from a different Stephen King novel. And now she's remembering. Because you have to pay a lot of fan service in this movie. Mm -hmm. That's another thing. It's like a one-off thing on Netflix. I know there's a lot of Stephen King fans, Mm -hmm. but to have all these little throwaway things to, hey, get it? That's from Dolores Claiborne. And get it? That's what he says in The Shining. Yes, I get it. But what does that add? Nothing. It doesn't add anything. Mm -hmm. It's just fan service for the sake of like... And I feel like that whole character is included just because it's a Stephen King novel, and they're like, "Hey, we have to, we have to put all these things together." Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in the pre-episode, I kind of teased the fact that there is a lot of calls to other Stephen King movies and books. Um, did, what did you notice? Well, the eclipse takes place at the same time as Dolores Claiborne. Yes, it's in the same. I had forgotten about that, but I read Dolores Claiborne when I was like thirteen or something. Okay. So I remember a little bit and I remember the eclipse mm-hmm. and she talks about having a dream with the well and that's that's the novel Dolores Claiborne, which I think was a movie too with maybe Kathy Bates. Oh, okay. I love Ooh, Kathy Bates. Not. Maybe that's misery. Either way, um, uh, that movie has, or that book has a lot of similarities with mm-hmm. Gerald's game and there's a... Uh, there's an abusive husband and a well, but yeah, that dream that she has is just that movie. Yes. Uh, then Gerald says something about you had to take your medicine. Mm-hmm. That's a big uh, Shining thing. And yes. Shining, I'm a very big fan of. So that's <laughs> that one I saw right away. Um, he calls, Gerald calls the dog Cujo. Right. Which is, you know. Um, and then the bag of bones is from something, but I can't remember what it is from. The Well, that Moonlight Man character is from a book. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I never read that one, but I've heard of it. I kind of liked that this was kind of a callback to all of different Stephen King things. And I'm not a big Stephen King person, so I haven't seen a lot of it or read a lot of it. But I was reading about it, and it kind of made me want to read more about Stephen King and more Stephen King. Uh, Don't read any Stephen King books that have a black person in it, because he... he's not a great writer for black people. Okay. It's just, if there's a black character, they'll be in it for three minutes and they get called the N-word by like eight different people. Okay. It's it's funny. I saw there's a little bit of Stephen King. This is a bit of a tangent on this episode (laughs) of uh, Chappelle show from way back. Uh And someone asks, Stephen King does like, actually him, 
So it's like, ask about black person something, and Stephen King's on it, and he asks some question that's probably a little offensive. But the answer <laughs> is just like, look at Stephen King. You can just tell he just wants to say the N-word right now. Right. And then I read some of his novels, and I was like, oh, yeah, mm. totally does. I did not know that anyways, about Stephen King. That's interesting. That might just be more lazy writing than straight-up racism. But, yeah, I felt like these little inclusions, I just like, Why? Like you hey, said, you're Cujo. Get it? That was a novel. Fan yeah, service and yeah. like people who are like really, really into Stephen King. Is... But it's not even people who are really into it because it's not some like deep connection. Right. It's just straight up saying a line from a different movie, yeah. which is the most superficial way you could do it. So someone who doesn't read Stephen King like me, I, I can pick up on these things. Mm-hmm. So I, I just don't get why. Just to just because it's Stephen King, you have to mm-hmm. do that, I guess. The Dolores Claiborne one I get a little more because it's thematically it's irrelevant. Same timeline. Yeah. yeah. But, and there's also some lines of from stuff from, oh, I don't know, that Dark Tower series. And they'll just say words that are from that. And mm-hmm. they're like, hey, get it? And I, yeah, I get it. But why? I okay. It, it didn't make me want to read Dolores Claiborne just to kind of. I think I still have it on my uh, my parents' basement if you want it. <laughs> Let's go to your parents' basement and get All that right. book. Um, because I don't know, I, I, I like the idea of them happening at the same time. And that's kind of a neat parallel. So this ending, you were surprised when I said it's my least favorite thing. Yeah. So you like the ending. I liked it just from the like, she's taking back her life mm-hmm. kind of thing. And she's currently suffering from some PTSD from this, which is... Yeah, but wasn't that accomplished three endings ago? Yeah, but also I just, I, I kind of liked it. I don't know. I feel like she's taking back her life and I liked that they did it in such a, like a, a big way. It's a big, it's It's big. a big way. It's big for and sure. And I understand that. Like it could have been more subtle and it could have been two endings ago and that's... Like, I understand that, but I also, it felt really good to watch her take back her life and stop being scared and be able to, like, live her life normally or start again. What did you not like about it? I think I like the same things you liked. I just feel like that was accomplished. And by going to this extra level, like, her overcoming her father, that would have been powerful. But the fact that she tells a literal monster that you're small, I'm not scared of you. It's so much. It's like if at the end of Rocky, aliens came and Rocky beats up all the aliens. <laughs> like, that's not what this story is. Right. And by linking those things, it just kind of makes her actual important journey, which I think is like discovering that she had been abused, realizing that. And having the strength within herself, not from anyone else, to overcome it. That's a journey. That's mm-hmm. an important journey. That's a journey that needs to be in movies more because it's not. And that's what I think a lot of people love about this movie. And I do too. But by going this far, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about the beats of the actual ending in a moment. By going this far, it overshadows that and it diminishes that. And it's also just like not well done. Okay. And then you lose a lot of that goodwill that you had gained. That's what I feel about it. Okay. So when she escapes, there's the thing that happens in a lot of movies. This is nitpicky, not, mm-hmm. but it happens in a lot of movies where someone passes out from blood loss. Mm-hmm. And then they lay down and bleed for four hours and then they wake up and they're better. I think if you're passing out from blood loss and you keep bleeding, you don't get better. You die. But that's... 
I feel like if you stop bleeding, mm-hmm. your body can kind of regenerate some of that blood. Although when you donate blood, it takes two to three weeks for you to like fully yeah. regenerate. So if you're bleeding out and you pass out, you're probably not going to come back stronger in three hours. No, you might you might gain a little bit of strength, but unless you're eating and drinking something kind of sugary and like replacing some of those like carbs, you're not going to. What if you're lying there up. and a dog symbolic of your father is biting you? Does that help? Yes. Oh, okay. Then yeah. Then it makes. Then it that tracks. That's in the medical textbooks. All right. So then she um, <laughs> she goes out. She gives her the ring to the Moonlight Man. Right. Which I think was, at the time, I thought was a really good note to go on. Paying the toll out of hell. Yeah. But then we find out it's not that. It doesn't symbolize all these right. things so much. Um. And then she goes and she drives and she crashes her car because she's still like right faint. And if they would have ended right there. I would have been like, great. You don't know if she lives or dies. I like that. I get that that's not a popular ending. So mm-hmm. then having it go those extra couple of minutes where she stumbles out and you see the flashlights coming towards her. Mm-hmm. If it had ended there, better ending. I like it. Then it keeps going. Yeah. And then she writes a letter to her past self. Yes. And I felt that was a bit much, but I got what it was doing. It was, it was yeah. showing her very literally, like it was showing that her past self, like, this isn't your fault. We're mm-hmm. going to move on. We're stronger now. She's you helping and me together. herself realize what yes. she's gone through and that it's okay. It ends there. Great. For, sure, fine. Yeah. Little tacked on, but I like how they did it. And I like how that links it back to the father. That mm-hmm. she's overcoming that. She's kind of finding some peace with her past. Yes, and she's helping her younger self realize way sooner. Yeah. Which means that she probably wouldn't have married Gerald. She wouldn't have forced herself into this marriage for so many years. And she wouldn't have, like, she would have realized sooner yes. that she was not at fault. And then you keep that. You end it there. Even if you want to keep the line about, like, I never did find that wedding ring. Great. Mm-hmm. So it's creepy. Was that a real demon? Right. Was that a murderer? <laughs> did death actually manifest itself and she defeated it? Very cool. Great yeah. idea. Was she literally in hell and yeah. paid her way out? But no. No, it keeps going. <laughs> so then you get her going, oh, you know what? I also, I started an organization for abused children. And I tell my story to every child Ooh. every day. That's Because heavy. I'm so empowered now. Mm-hmm. So I know I said earlier that I was very glad that this wasn't a trauma contest. But it quickly becomes an empowerment contest. Yes. And it it's cartoonish and silly. In the ending, yes. Yes. So even there, if it had ended there, I'd be like, okay, that's a bit much. But I'm glad that they're doing something showing showing these children and to kind of prevent the life that she had lived. She's mm-hmm. kind of reaching them earlier as she was symbolically doing by writing that letter to herself. Right. I get it. Okay, that's a little <laughs> little hokey, but sure, good idea. But then, what happens next? Then she hears a news report or sees a news report about a man who was stealing jewelry and eating the faces of male victims who was on trial um, for raping someone in the area that she was chained to the bed in. Yes. So we find out that this moonlight man, this manifestation of death, this kind of ambiguous figure that had worked until that point is an actual guy. And yes, he's been going around doing all these things and now he's been caught. 
you end it there, I'd be like, oh, that's a weird inclusion, but mm. I guess you're tying it to some other book. But no, it's not done. Ending number six is still on its way. <laughs> then we go to the super brightly lit courtroom that's different than everything else. It looks like it's a bad made-for-TV movie. This whole movie kind of looked like a Lifetime movie a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But this sequence was so bizarrely bright and shot so differently, yeah. I almost thought it was a dream sequence. Oh. And that would have been better, but it's not. <laughs> it is not. So you tell me, what happens in the courtroom? So... When she's, I'm going to back up a little bit. Sure. Um, when she's learning kind of about the Moonlight Man being real and she finally sees a photo because it's the first time a photo has been published of him, um, there's all these facts about why she wasn't attacked. It was because he eats the faces of male victims. He steals bones. So he's not really into killing women. Yeah. But um, then he's started to kill and rape men. Yes. Yes. Um, so he's more into the male victim, which mm -hmm. is explains why she was not harmed and why he just kind of watched her, didn't help her, was kind of, I guess he was waiting for her to die so he could get her wedding ring. So when she just gave him her wedding ring, he just let her go. Mm -hmm. um, then she is wearing a fabulous outfit and sunglasses yes. and she's got her little glove on that she's using for rehab and uh, she struts up to the courthouse and... Um, through through security. Through security, goes straight into like the courtroom floor, like past where spectators are supposed to be. Yeah, Nobody's, the nobody stops her. Mm -hmm. um, and then she proceeds to yell at... I, does she tap him on the shoulder or did I just make that up? You made that up. Okay. She doesn't get close enough to him because he... She gets very close. She gets very close to him. Within arm's reach of him. But she does not tap him on the shoulder. Um, she basically yells at him. She says... You're so much smaller than I remember. Yeah, she Super walks. Sassy. She walks into the courtroom and says, "Hey, hey!" And, and then this maniacal necrophiliac serial killer yes. rapist, who's eight feet tall and has is just completely insane. Yes, turns and goes, "Oh yes, me? What?" Mm -hmm. And so they also make a point of saying that he hasn't spoken yes. since he was taken into custody. Yeah, another detail wouldn't, we didn't need. But... Wouldn't talk to his lawyers, no. like nothing. Um turns around, sees her, and says, you're not real, you're made of moonlight. And she says, oh, well, you're so much smaller than I remembered. Yeah. Also, he snaps his handcuffs yes. off. Plastic handcuffs. Why? Because he's large. Just to show that he's strong? We yeah. get it. Kill all these people. Why was that? I don't know. There's so much of that scene that it was just, why? Why would that be in there? <laughs> But they have to make him say the same thing she said. So just in case we didn't know that that was the same guy. Mm -hmm. It's pretty clear he's kind of distinctive looking. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, that sequence was terrible. Okay. Just terrible. It ruined a movie that I may have been like on the fence about of going like, oh, there's good things. Some things didn't work. But that was so egregious that I just don't like the movie now. It was that bad. So from a like Stephen King fan standpoint, would there not have been uproar if we hadn't included the courtroom scene? Probably. But if it's not good, fuck it, right? <laughs> Stanley Kubrick cut a bunch of stuff out of The Shining because Stanley Kubrick knows how to make a movie. So was it the ending that ruined it for you? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And I know you shouldn't... I hate when people go like, oh, I didn't like how it ended, so I don't like the movie. The ending is such a small part, but this ending also took away so much of what the movie was trying to accomplish. Right. So I was kind of on the fence before, and then that made me just not like it. So I still really liked it. I totally, like, validate all your points that you made about it. It was too spoon-fed. It was too, like, kind of on the nose. But all of that would have been forgivable if they would have ended it on a... Car just crash. a heartfelt internal empowerment. Right. Than her going to a literal monster and, like, challenging him to a fight. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the, um, the positive re- reviews of this movie are because... It is an empowering mm-hmm. movie, and in a way that we don't often see. I think it's like a it's like a giant slayer moment, right? Yes. She's taking back her life in more than one way, and she's literally going to the like because Gerald's dead, her dad's dead, so she can't go and confront them. This is literally the last person in her life that she has not confronted and who still has power over her because she's not sleeping. And so it's literally a giant slayer moment because she goes and she says what she needs to say to move on. But that shouldn't be literal. Okay. Her overcoming (laughs) her marriage and what her father did to her. Mm -hmm. That's the key struggle. Right. That's something that people can relate to if you're doing this movie to in a way to help people right Mm -hmm. because you show these stories of empowerment to encourage people who are in maybe some sort of similar circumstance whether it's sexual abuse or whatever it is it's something people can internalize it's why we love underdog stories like like rocky i was talking about before people love that even if they're not i'm not a boxer but i love that this guy who's from nothing can come up and be something i I love how she can through no help of anyone else, internalize what's been done to her and overcome it. Mm -hmm. That's a good story and that's an important story and that's a story that needs to be told. By linking that to fighting and defeating or overcoming a literal monster, it removes it from what people can relate to. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what loses a lot of the heart of the movie. Right. Because there's the bit where she then puts on her sunglasses because it's the first sunny time because... There's the eclipse in the flashbacks. Right. There's the darkness in when she's tied to the bed. So you always have this kind of issue. And then having it bright and sunny and her having her sunglasses she is steps out into the sunlight symbolic. Yeah. And if you had done that alone, you do the letter that she writes to herself and then just have her go and put on her sunglasses and go off somewhere. I'd buy that and I'd be like, that's a good story. That would have been lovely. Yeah. But that's not what we get. It gets stuck in being such a Stephen King novel that has Mm -hmm. to have actual monsters in it that it loses what people could relate to i think absolutely and there's a lot of movies that i think get a lot of um positive feedback because they're doing something that no one else is doing and because there's not a lot of movies like that it's the best one Mm -hmm. so because this is showing a um a sexual abuse scenario a uh a problematic marriage scenario in ways that we don't see a lot of the time something that's not crazy over the top Mm -hmm. some story that needs to be told people are saying that's awesome they're telling the story it's a good movie Mm -hmm. and it is awesome that they're telling that story but it's not a good movie it's the same way i felt about crazy rich asians i was so happy (laughs) to see a screen full of asian faces yes i was thrilled to see it i'm happy it's successful 
Is it a great movie? Not really. It's fine. It's a fine movie. But it's a step in the right direction? It's a step in the right (laughs) direction. And so I'm not saying like, oh, critics just love these like pieces for minorities, for people who are underprivileged. I'm saying we need more movies about these things to drive up the overall quality of it. That's the reason you get so many great movies about single white men because there's so many of them. Mm -hmm. Only the good ones are going to be successful. It's true. It's true. Or like... Like, rom-coms, I feel like, have gotten more poignant in the last, you know, sure. 10 years because there are so many. Yeah. There's an entire season where only rom-coms come out and there's, like, six movies I want to see at all times. And I just, I think that is going in the right direction. And I agree with you mm-hmm. when I say that we need to be making more movies about this kind of topic and this kind of um, story. Yes. And this is something that I'd argue horror movies do that others do not because in horror movies it is this is kind of linking to something that you'd see in the 80s in that there's a single female protagonist who overcomes a literal monster that's slasher movies i love slasher movies this is not that Mm -mm. this is drawing one element of that into the psychological story and it's diminishing both of them it's yes. not doing either one because it's not committing to either one. And that's why I didn't like this movie. Hmm. Interesting. I really appreciate all of your points. And Thanks. I think I still love this movie. Yeah. And <laughs> it's not a bad movie. No. It's a problematic movie. It's a there's, problematic there's movie. movie. It's a movie with a lot wrong with it. But I can it's admit not bad. That. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed it even a second time. I'm glad this movie exists. I'm glad I watched it. I think you should watch it. Mm-hmm. I got on a bit of a rant there at the end, huh? <laughs> a little Whew. bit. A little bit. Uh, but I, I was, love when you go in movie rants. Like This whole time I was like, I should let... So this is the thing. <laughs> I talk way too much. <laughs> and I always try to encourage Samantha to talk more. But if she ever like takes like a pause and kind of looks around, it's like, okay, I'll jump in there or something. I kept I'm like trying reading to, my notes and you're <laughs> already I kept on trying to the next to thing. Get, but then at the end, I was like, you know what? I'm going for it. My notes are had been done for 20 minutes, and I'm just going to rant and complain. Oh, I didn't realize you'd run out of no, notes. No, my computer's not even on anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that about wraps up our big talk on Gerald's Game. I think so. Let us know what you think, because I think, again, this is one where I thought this podcast, the entire podcast, would be yeah. a lot more of us arguing. But we're agreeing. We're coming at it from very different ways. But I think we agree on most of it, really. That's what I like about it is that we both see movies in different ways. Yeah. I wish we would fight more, though. I will make a concerted effort to fight with you more. Yes. But we are going to continue Spooktober. Spooktober. With... Uh, well, you'll have to see what comes up next. Well, the next thing that's going to come out is our bonus episode. Oh, bonus episode. Did um, we already say what it is? Yes. All so right. we are doing a bonus episode on Halloween. Not on the day Halloween, on the movie Halloween. But yes. it's going to be coming out sooner than Halloween. The 1978 original Halloween. Yes. And that's one where we can talk about using the symbol of a giant looming figure and how overcoming that is a symbol for empowerment absolutely i'm um i'm really excited to talk about this is actually going to be kind of a different episode for us because we've both seen it and we both like it and we're just going to kind of talk about it from uh why we like it what's problematic um and we're going to kind of talk about it as a team so i'm really excited for next week's bonus episode um that's going to be coming out in just three 
three days on the 16th. We the should 16th. have that out. Yes. Hopefully. So check it out. Um, and then we will be back uh, next week with a with Monday. my big horror pick. A Monday horror pick from Indy. Yeah. Um, to continue our Spooktober and to finish off our Spooktober for the year. Yeah. And not to put too fine a point of it on it, but the movie I'm going to pick, one of my favorite movies ever. Well then. Yeah. Okay. Well... This has been I Love This, You Should Too. If you want to um, get in contact with us and talk about any of the things that we've talked about today, you can email us at I Love This, You Should, and the number two at gmail.com. You can tweet or Instagram us at I-L-T-Y-S and the number two. Or you can find us on Facebook at I Love This, You Should Too dash podcast. Um, we love hearing from you. We love getting fan emails and tweets and all that. And, uh, and gifts. And gifts. Gifts of cash, preferably. <laughs> uh, you can PayPal us at that email. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so we will see you in three days for our discussion on Halloween. And uh, then we'll see you like five days after that for Indy's pick for the end of Spooktober. Okay, bye. Happy Spooktober, everyone. Happy Spooktober, everyone. You poured a bunch of wine on yourself there, huh? I did. I did. It's in my hoodie. Why were you like doing a wine glass like a shot? (laughs) 